Hello everyone, and thank you for joining us for another installation of the Loden Sports Outlier Sessions. My name is Matt Pajak, co-founder of Loden Sports. Before we get started, a quick plug on what Loden Sports is. We are the affordable human performance data provider. We use non-exclusive objective athletic evaluations for the purposes of benchmarking athletic development, informing athlete health, and identifying outliers. Our evaluations are non-sport, gender, skill level, or age specific. There for anyone and everyone, just like these outlier sessions. We pride ourselves on our experience and professionalism in executing evaluations and teaching others how to routinely evaluate. But most importantly, we pride ourselves on making historically difficult to understand performance data palatable for coaches, athletes, and parents. If you're interested in learning more or getting in touch, visit our website at www.loadinsports.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Loden Sports, and read our blog, which is also available through our website. I also want to throw a shout out to our friends at Yellow Box Macaroons, the first unofficial sponsor of the Loden Sports Outlier Sessions. If you're a fan of sweet treats, their hand curated coconut macaroons are a must. Continuing on the tradition of Jackie Weiss, Yellow Box Macaroons is the most delicious box of macaroons in the world. If you don't like coconut or macaroons, that's on you. Find your next box on www.yellowboxmacaroons.com or on Instagram at yellowboxmacaroons. The Outlier Sessions have been created as a way to bridge the gap and create a connection between the aspiring and the achieving. All of our guests have a niche at the highest levels of sport and are an outlier in their own right. We want to take some time to talk about long-term athlete development with them in the context of their experiences. We want to talk about their journeys, their processes for taking care of themselves, and get to know a little bit more about their personal interests as well. Now sit back and relax and enjoy another Outlier session, unless you're driving, in which case keep both hands on the steering wheel and your eyes on the road. All right, before we really get going here, let's do a quick intro of what we're going to talk about and who we have on the mic for this installment of the Loden Sports Outlier Sessions podcast. We wanted to do a roundtable style discussion with our Huntington Beach crew to get a handful of different perspectives on how integrating objective performance benchmarking has proved useful, insightful, etc. Naturally, we have Huntington Beach High School head coach Benji Madur, who I've known going back to 2016, one of the very best in the world of coaching, biased, regardless of what. <clears throat> Josh Wright, who wears many hats, but for the sake of this discussion, oversees performance programming for Huntington Beach High School. And finally, Joe Frazier, father of class of 2024 infielder Gabe Frazier, 1995 College World Series champion with Cal State Fullerton, Minnesota Twins draft pick, also current assistant superintendent, and really someone who can provide the parent perspective, the former athlete perspective, and the academic administration perspective kind of all in one. So three guys with three different niches in the development of the youth, Huntington Beach High School Baseball Roundtable. Here we go. I do want to give each of the guys the opportunity to provide some color uh, for who they are, what they do, and how long they've been doing it before we dive into any specific topics. Let's start with Benji Madur. Give us a little background, how long you've been at Huntington Beach, how long you've been teaching, etc. Go for it. Well, first of all, thank you for having us. And it, it's awesome that we get to hang out with each other and you get to come out and, and test our guys because then we get to go have lunch and we have an excuse to hang out here in California. 
Um, as far as me being a coach, I've coached, this is my 30th year of coaching. Uh, it's my 22nd year at Huntington beach. Um, you know, and, and it doesn't feel like that long. Uh, I swear it's, it's happened really fast. Um, and you know, in the, in those 22 years, I think we've seen our program really, really grow. Um, we kind of went from nobody to somebody, uh, and it took a while, but you know, with the help of people like, uh, with like Josh and, and Matt and, you know, and good parents like Joe, you know, we've, we've really developed a, a winning program here. So, um, I'm excited to be a part of this. I'm excited that Loden is a big part of our, our program now, and uh, we're seeing differences for sure. Well, absolutely love having you on and love hanging out with you. So uh, let's bounce it on over to Josh, who was actually on our last podcast. Josh, how long have you known Benji, and how long have you been working with him over at Huntington Beach? Been at Huntington. This should be my sixth uh, season. Um, I first came on, um, when Benji, uh, Benji and I had a conversation. Um, I think it was right after the 2016 season when, um, they, I think you guys lost to orange Lutheran. Sorry to bring that up. Um, but it was, um, Prado and Danner's junior season. And at the end of that season, once it got over, um, they started coming in and training with me privately and then they kind of naturally like brought in, you know, 10, 15 guys from the program. Um, and then Benji and I had a conversation about just me taking over everything at Huntington. Um, and it's been one of my favorite experiences that I've had um, in my entire training career being a part of this program. Um, just from the culture, um, that he's built, um, and me being able to kind of come in and, and continue the, the grittiness and the, you know, the, the work ethic that is expected from them, um, and to be able to take them into the weight room and give them the tools to be able to go out and be coached by a guy like Benji, um, is it's, it's been a perfect match, um, for me. Yeah, and knowing Benji and obviously knowing you both for a handful of years now, um, I mean, it's, it's nothing. Nothing's more natural. Peanut butter and jelly, Benji and Josh. Uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's kick it on over to Joe. Uh, I ran down a couple different things on Joe. Joe, if you want to just give us a little bit of background, maybe playing background, uh, kind of where you're at now. Uh, also, fun fact. Yellow box macaroons. That's also Joe. I don't know if that's a. If I just you know, I don't even know what that is. Me. Is that your alias? I appreciate it. Yeah, that's that's my side slang. Cooking, baking macaroons. So yeah, I just wanted to thank uh, thank you for having me on. Uh, I feel like I'm in really good company, so I appreciate that. Um, Yeah, my background is is basically uh, you know uh, being an athlete. Went to Cal State Florida and played baseball. I was hoping my NFL career was going to work out, but that didn't work so good. So I uh, ended up in baseball um, and uh, was drafted by the Twins out of, out of Cal State Fullerton. Um, played, I think, five years with the Twins. Had several injuries and uh, didn't know what the heck I was going to do with my life. And so, um, you know, I come from a long line of educators. And so I thought, I mean, I guess if you asked anybody that knew me in high school or college, if they 
said I was going to be education. I told you they're crazy. So, um, but I tried out the teaching. I really loved being around kids. It was exciting, um, entertaining, just, uh, uh, to keep you young. Um, and then got into administration, uh, in, uh, assistant principal, principal, and now, um, I'm at uh, Los Alamitos Unified School District as the assistant superintendent. So, um, had a, had a great career, had, a, had fun uh, playing baseball. It's a, the best, best, best part of my life. Um, and, uh, I'm just uh, stoked to be here. Yeah, and we're we're really excited to have you on. Um, yeah, obviously this roundtable's it's re- it's really packing a punch. I gotta do my best to to keep that fourth wheel inflated. <laughs> oh, side note, real quick: yellow box macaroons are so. Um, I'm not the biggest sweet eater. Um, I at my advanced age, um, I'm trying to you know still pretend I look like a 25 year old and I will gladly gain 15 pounds if I can taste those treats whenever Joe brings them into the gym for me on bias plug. <laughs> they, they are, they, they, they are, they are absolutely delicious. So I don't, I, don't, I get nothing for saying that um, except for um, some hunger pains in my stomach because I'm not eating anything right now. <laughs> well, I appreciate that guys. Yeah, well, I appreciate being able to show all those things in my face. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, <clears throat> let's uh, let's not divert too far from the spirit of the traditional outlier session as we get this thing going. Uh, we're going to start off with one of our signature LTAD related questions. Uh, there are little things we can do every day to bolster our emotional well-being. It's like a muscle it needs to be trained. This is something you can do every day. Benji, let's start with you, and then we'll do Josh, and then Joe, and then I'll hit it last. What are three things that you're grateful for today? Well, I'm grateful for my family. Obviously, you know that's the number one thing in my life. I'm a I'm a dad first. I, I coach baseball. It's not who I am. It's it's just what I do. And so I'm, I, you know, my family is the the first and foremost, and obviously my wife for being uh, the incredible person she is. So very grateful for her. Uh, I'm grateful for my players. Um, and I know I'm hard on them and, you know, Josh alluded to that and I hope they realize how grateful I am for their effort every day. Um, and just how they go about their business. Uh, and the last thing I'm grateful for is just being able to show up to work at a great place. Um, we live in Huntington beach, the fields three quarters of a mile from the ocean. Uh, we have an awesome stadium and awesome surface. Uh, we have a great coaching staff. So everything about my, my, my baseball program, the proximity, uh, the, just, just everything about it. I, I'm grateful for, and I really do, um, see that every day and, and I'm thankful for it. Crushed it. All right, Josh, what do you got? I'm going to piggyback off of Benji and definitely say I'm grateful for my wife and my family as well. Um, I have three, three little boys, an eight year old, a six year old, and a three year old, and they are all diehard baseball fans. And, you know, quite frankly, um, you know, we chose to move to Huntington Beach four years ago um, with the intent that, you know, my children would come through the program here because I don't trust another program to develop my children the way that I would want them to be developed both on the field and in life as humans. So um, that is definitely one thing I'm grateful for. Secondly, um, I am grateful 
Pearl Jam on Saturday um, and knocking that off my bucket list. Uh, my wife and I are finally getting a date night, which is great. Um, so we're going to go listen to Eddie Vedder crush it um, at the forum. And then lastly, um, I am grateful for this 75 degree weather day today um, where I can go outside and get some vitamin D and refocus myself because it is about to be a very busy nine months of an off season as soon as playoffs end here. Um, and I'm going to need every, every bit of mental capacity, piece of mental capacity that I can gather. So being outside, um, you know, living where we live, um, and being able to have the relationships that I have with people are exactly what I'm grateful for today. Well, knock on wood that we can uh, delay the end of those playoffs as long as possible. Amen. Amen, brother. All right, Joe, what do you got? Uh, well, it's never easy being the third in line, but I do uh, echo the, the uh, Benji and Josh with, with my family. I'm super grateful uh, for my wife. I got two beautiful kids. They're, uh, they're great kids. 19. My daughter's 19 going off to university of Tennessee next year uh, in the fall and uh, Gabe's sophomore. So he's still trying to find his way, but I couldn't uh, ask for a better, better family. Um, I'm grateful also to, you know, to, to live in this country. I think uh, I've been invited so many, so many blessings and opportunities in my life. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to, to new ones as they come along. And uh, I think the third one is really just, uh, I think, being, being a part of this podcast. I'm grateful that you invited me along. Um, I've played for some really great coaches. Um, Benji is one of those coaches that I, like Josh said, like, I didn't know, uh, you know who I could trust my kid with. And I, and I, and I chose Benji because I, I felt like that, that was the one person I could trust. And, uh, you know, being here with Josh, obviously, has has so much knowledge in in the area of strength and conditioning for the kids um again it goes back to when you've got your own kids it's who can you put who can you put them with um to to um make sure that you you trust somebody and and in in both of those guys and and really with you matt just you know i think uh starting to tap into something that that uh is going to be really helpful for coaches um strength and conditioning coaches um, and parents as we move along. So I, I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. Well, toast to everybody on here. We're, we're clinking water. I'm clinking <laughs> water. I, I don't want to hear what you guys are clinking, but <clears throat> no, it's, uh, it, it's awesome to have all you guys here. I'm going to, you know, run through this here. Uh, number one for me is my wife. Uh, that's an everyday thing. So, um, but also that we were able to finally find a time that worked for all of us to have this discussion. Uh, I know that that's kind of been trying to juggle three different schedules, um, you know, with all the different things that you guys have going on. Um, I'm glad that we were able to, to finally do that. Two, the ability to move the fan around in the apartment uh, when it starts to get really hot. Uh, it's been in North Carolina this time of year. Uh, it's starting to transition into that hot and humid season so the fan is clutch and then that we ended up recording this at seven o'clock eastern time instead of seven o'clock pacific time so that i can get to bed <laughs> at a decent hour and hopefully catch some playoff hockey uh when we're through with this so um yeah 
definitely uh, ecstatic to have all you guys on here, and uh, let's let's get it rolling. So, uh, transitioning a little bit here away from LTAD and emotional well-being, Loden Sports has been working with Huntington Beach High School for about a year now to provide athletic evaluations and insights into what the data means and how it can be used in a variety of different ways. The evaluation includes assessments to measure power, quickness, speed, and lower half symmetry. Loden Sports has provided three benchmark touch points for all freshman JV and varsity players in the program starting with last June, again in September after the summer, and again in December after the fall training period with our next touch point slated for the beginning of this June. So uh, let's kick it off with Benji. You want to just talk a little bit about what went into the decision to hit go on athletic evaluations and benchmarking performance for your program. Well, it was presented to me by Josh uh, first, and he was telling me when you guys were just starting to get loading going, um, you know, he presented it to me. He's like, hey, you got to get with Payjack and try to get him out here to test the kids. And honestly, my first thought was, that's not going to happen. You know, like I didn't know exactly what you were doing. Um, you know, I just didn't see it being feasible. And then when you presented it to me and you you, you showed me how easy it was for you to, to test the kids, um, and how much data that we can get and then tie it into their workouts with Josh. Um, it was a no brainer. Um, you know, as soon as it explained to me and broken down and, and how much of a difference it could make. Um, and even then, you know, it was a no brainer to, to, it was a no brainer for you to come out here and do it and to test it and see what it was. But then I really didn't know how much, information i was going to be able to use i was just kind of hoping to pass it on to josh and be like hey we got this data here you go and and have josh you know create the workouts for the kids that were deficient or or needed something or whatever it was but then after you're spending time with you and sean and seeing what you know the information that we could get on the on the coaching end uh being able to find that diamond in the rough the the kid that kind of may look scrawny but really has tapped into some power that we can't even see yet. Um, then it really started to hit home how important this was uh, to do with our kids. So, you know, we're going round four in June. Uh, I don't see a stop anytime soon. You know, I just think it's way too important to, to see where these kids are. Um, so I, I am, I am so thrilled to be a part of it. And I think, you know, we're, we're going to try to tap into some hit tracks uh, metrics and Rapsodo metrics and tie them in with uh, with the training and with the testing. Um, so there's just bigger and better things to come on top of all the information that we've got. So uh, I'm I'm excited for our future with Loden. Yeah, there's just there's just been so much to learn along the way, um, and there's you know I'm sure we'll continue to unearth different things as we continue to keep moving forward. So I appreciate you know obviously you being very open minded. Um, and willing to take this on and, and not just, you know, pass it along to Josh, but also get involved with it. So, uh, Joe, as a parent, what were your thoughts when you first heard about the evaluations and how has your understanding evolved since then? I, think, I mean, I think at first I was like super envious that I never had anything like this when I was playing. So <laughs> I was like, this is great, you know, and I think a lot of times as a parent, uh, with a teenager, you're not getting a lot of information from your, from your child, you know, um, everything's good. Yeah, that was okay. <laughs> and so this is really, this is really like an, an effort to have a talking point. Um, and I think for Gabe, it was really just a baseline, um, for me, just in, 
like I said, information that I wasn't, there's no way I was going to get any of this information. You know, if you ask your kid, do you feel, you know, do you feel powerful? Do you feel fast? Any teenager with some confidence is going to tell you, yeah, but I think this, this really spells it out. And then as it progressed into the second and third, um, you know, it just gives you again, those data pieces where, you know, if you've got a kid like Gabe or a parent like me, just the competitive nature uh, with kids and, and trying to beat their last thing and, and really understanding, I think, for me, really understanding uh, to be a, uh, an all-around athlete and, and in order to, to do that is to be able to be uh, very symmetrical and centered in your, in your, with your body and uh, a lot of body awareness. And I think this re- this, these um, data points really touch on that. Like, how are you body aware? Where, where are your strengths and where are your weaknesses? Yeah, that's something that we really try and hone into with the report. I know a lot of thought and a lot of tinkering went into producing a report that was easier to understand, especially coming from a background of, you know, collecting baseball data and vision test data and Rapsodo and TrackMan and, and the whole nine. And a lot of it's foreign to a lot of people. So for us, it was how do we create something that is simple and digestible for the athlete, for the parent, for the coaches? Um, so to hear, you know, they, it seemed like something that was pretty easy uh, for you guys to pick up on and, and start to digest and create a talking point and create a way forward with, um, you know, really that's, that's the most that we could ever hope to get out of it. So um, yeah. Josh, as the person who oversees performance at Huntington Beach, what's it like having access to the objective athletic information on the whole program, and and how does that help your process? The the biggest benefit I get is not just the scores, but allows me to see the outliers, like you you know, like you kind of touched on with. You know, uh, you know, the athlete that maybe doesn't look as physically imposing as another athlete, but is actually maximizing his skill set better um, because he's able to tap into certain things. Um, you know, there's only so much you can see with the naked eye um, and being able, you know, to to pick up, um, you know, data on you know, a uh, uh, 10% deficiency on a, on a kid's right ankle from his left ankle, um, you know, off of his jump test. And, um, you know, it makes it, it makes my job much easier um, on the programming side of things um, because that's something that I probably put more effort and energy into the programming that I'm writing making sure that every little detail is checked off for each kid. Um, so if we go back, if there's something wrong with the kid, you know, three months later in between tests and he's not improving, then I can go back and I have, I have a blueprint of what I did. And then I can see maybe where I could have added something different or more volume, less volume, you know, depending on if we're in season, out of season, um, and it allows me to to tap into some of my own thoughts and my own uh, methodologies to give these kids, you know, um, the best chance for success. And not even in those three months, but in the four years that they're here, um, you know, it's going to allow me to keep them healthy and to maximize 
the small, short four-year window of opportunity they have to continue to play baseball at the next level. Yeah, and a lot of respect to you for being open to uh, this type of information and being open to the accountability. Uh, because I think you know a lot of a lot of coaches out there. It doesn't just have to be strength coaches. I think just in general, uh, it's a lot easier to live in the dark and kind of you know sell people a placebo effect. But um, you know, if you're able to show objectively improvement, I think that you know that speaks volumes for what you do. And um, you know, even if there is an improvement there, being able to explain like this is what's going on, and we'll get into that a little bit more, just in terms of different times of the year. Uh, different goals in training, different goals with where the body should be at from a performance standpoint. But yeah, definitely kudos to you on that. Um, let's talk a little bit about the amateur summer um, when it comes to summer baseball. And Josh, we'll start with you here again. Um, and I know we talked about this a little bit on our last podcast. So um, on the training side, you obviously train some of the best amateur baseball players in the greater Orange County area many of whom are already committed to Division One schools, some of whom are of interest to the professional scouting community. In our last podcast, we touched on your not-so-subtle feelings towards the summer baseball calendar. And for anyone who hasn't listened to that one, dial it up. Um, but to extend on that conversation, uh, what do you observe during the summer in terms of ratio of training to playing? Are guys as consistent coming in and getting their work done during the summer as they are in other times of the year? It is my biggest headache of the year is Memorial Day weekend until, I mean, essentially until Jupiter's over, which is mid-October um, for a lot of the, you know, the, I hate saying like the higher profile kids, but there are some kids that they're just going to play, you know, uh, June, July, a little bit of August. And then when school starts, like, then they're just back into the, into the school routine. Um and there's other kids that, you know, are going to play June, July, August, um, you know, a couple of tournaments here and there in September. And then they go to Jupiter because, you know, that's the last kind of travel evaluation, um, you know, um, for, for all the pros, for all the major league scouts. Um, within that, you know, four and a half, five month time period, I would say, you know, we, we train four days a week, um, you know, during that time period. So let's just, for an even number's sake, let's just say there's a hundred workouts. I am lucky if those kids that go through that five month stretch are in the gym 30 to 40 times within, within that five month period. Um, and that is just due to the, the travel um it's due to the wear and tear that they've absorbed you know flying around the country and being under a microscope all summer long um you know high stress innings when they're pitching um you know they just they don't get a break and then their central nervous system's fried even when they're home so then i still am like modifying things because you know they might be home for three days before they go hop on a plane somewhere else. Um, and there's really not a lot of room for growth and improvement over that time. And it frustrates me more than anything because they're being evaluated 
and they're never they're not really given the chance to come home between tournaments sleep in their own bed you know hydrate themselves eat you know work on a little you know whether if it's something with their swing or if you know a uh, you know, scouts tell me all the time, well, you know, can this kid put on 15 pounds? Well, not if he's on a plane all the time, like it's hard, you know, it's really hard to, to see those, those big jumps and improvements that guys want them to make. Um, when, you know, the tools that they need to make those improvements aren't accessible to them. So, uh, you know, when I, when I travel with the canes, we're obviously, you know, I'm there, you know, I have access to equipment and things that I need, um, to, to keep these guys healthy, um, and, you know, can progress them, you know, uh, you know, not at the rate that I would like for them to, but I can send them home a little bit better than they came to me each tournament. Um, and, but I can't say that for, you know, 95% of the other guys that I have uh, in the gym that are, you know, under my watch. Like, it's it's really, really, really hard um, to, to balance everything. Um, and it's even harder for the kids to balance everything because kids have a hard time saying no to things. Um, they have a hard time... Um, you know, with, you know, with rankings and with, you know, uh, colleges and with advisors and everyone's pulling them different directions and telling them different things. Like I try to be that, you know, calming sense of stability, um, with them. And I always tell them the truth and I give them the options and lay it out and I kind of let them make their decisions. Um, you know, if they're going to go to something or not go to something, um, cause I don't really have a problem being the bad guy. Um, you know, if somebody's upset that they're not at a certain event or if a travel ball coach is upset about something, um, because at the end of the day, like, you know, my job is to make sure that they're healthy and to make sure that when they're being evaluated, they're, they're at their best and able to just go out on the field and perform. Um, I don't care if they win or they lose or, you know, if they get a trophy or a plastic ring or what their, you know, what their, what, what their PG or PBR ranking. I don't care about any of that stuff because my relationship is going to last 10, 15, 20 years with this kid. And I plan on taking care of that kid throughout his baseball journey and his process. Um, so the instant gratification of things doesn't factor into my plans to develop and, and, and take care of that athlete. So it's a headache. It's a big headache for me. All right. Summed up, it's a headache. <clears throat> I think you touched on something yeah, there, yeah. just in terms of uh, kids being pulled in all kinds of different directions during the summer. They can't really say no to anything. I mean, it's all new to them. It's not like there's another time in their life where it's just, you know, invite after invite after invite. Um, and there's right. always something to do. So, I think they can kind of get distracted from the fact that if they do everything and they're traveling and, you know, they're not keeping up with their body, their body's going to wear down. And that's the unfortunate reality for the majority of these kids. So this is actually a good segue. Uh, Joe, I don't think many parents are aware of that toll that a summer plays on the body of a young baseball player. 
Um, I think there's this belief that because kids are young, their bodies are invincible or at the very least shouldn't tire out. Kind of what are your thoughts? What's your approach? And what have you observed in fellow parents? Yeah, I, I think it's a tough, I think it's tough, you know, like I'm navigating this sort of for the first time. I mean, in all honesty, Gabe hasn't played very many games. He, he just hasn't. He, uh, he played football uh, going up into high school. So our summers were spent doing that. He might've played 10 games, uh, baseball games in the summer. Um, but he, this year, obviously he's been out this year. He didn't play at all last summer. Um, and so, you know, he's really, he's really wanting to go play. Uh, my my personal thoughts as a parent is I think the kids I don't think they need to be playing tournaments every weekend I don't I don't know of any I I, I still don't know of any uh, collegiate or professional sport that plays five games in a in a weekend in a three games uh, three days period um, so we're not even doing that to pro athletes or collegiate athletes um, and so I think it gets tricky for parents is you know because you know I think the the word on the street is you got to go play these tournaments. Cause that's where you're going to get seen. And I think there's some truth to that. You know, um, Gabe's, Gabe's never played, a uh, Gabe's never played one, uh, done one PG showcase or, and I'm not saying that those don't, those don't have values. He, he might do that this summer. Um, so we're trying to just pick, um, pick where he would be seen the most. Um, and frankly, I, I don't think Gabe was, uh, Gabe was ready to, sh- to show, you know, like I, I think, I think parents, there's a misconception of showing your kid all the time. And if they're not ready, some kids are ready. Some kids, by the time they're 12, are, are like men. I mean, there's there's freshmen on the campuses that are bigger than me. It's incredible. And and they should go show because they have that ability. And, you know, there's other kids that just developmentally uh, aren't quite there yet. And I, I think that parents that have those kids really need to be cautious uh, of, of playing too much, showing too much, and really getting away from what Josh was saying, like, being, being an athlete, developing your strength, um, understanding your body. Um, I, I think though it, uh, getting faster. <laughs> so like all of those mm-hmm. things, taking ground balls, hitting, like you don't always have to be in a game. If you're a shortstop, you could go a whole weekend and not get one ground ball. And I would argue that you would get better if you stayed home and spent a half hour on the field getting 50 to 60 ground balls and throwing them across the diamond than you would playing in a tournament um, where you might not get one ball hit to you. And so I think that's what you have to, you have to evaluate as a parent, like, you know, what's the end game. Um, and I don't, I don't, I mean, especially 12, 13, 14, I don't <laughs> seen a lot of kids. I've seen a lot of amazing listen, kids. These days are talented. They are super talented. I I'm amazed every time I go watch games, there's just really talented kids. But, you know, from when I played, there was a lot of kids that fell off um, that were the, the superstars in high school. Um, and then there were a lot of kids that you were like, well, I know that kid's a pretty good athlete um, that ended up playing a lot longer than some of those superstars. So everybody has their time to develop. And I think it's just a matter of, I think, as a parent, and I've had to do the same thing. You, just, you have to be super reflective, you know, because I think everybody starts getting nervous about, you know, college and commitments. And now we're, you know, we're committing you know, freshmen or eighth graders. And if you're, if your sophomore year is over and you're not committed that life is over. And, and I, I think, um, it's hard to calm kids down. It's hard as a parent to, to be a part of that, you know, like, so I think there's a lot of things that go and I, and I just don't think, I think people are just, man, I, I've seen so many kids play like 60 games in a summer, like <laughs> since they were like nine, 
I, I think that's in, and some of them and hating baseball by the time they're 16. My goal for Gabe, if, if he wanted to, was to be excited about baseball every year. Um, not not feel like he was just like, oh, I got to do this again. And by the way, if you're if you're traveling to Arizona and and Georgia and Florida in the summer, eesh, that's, that, that that is pretty grueling. Yeah, so. and you know, beyond you know all of the different like it's such a psychological game. I mean, really, what it comes down to, whether it's for the parent or whether it's for the for the kid, because FOMO is a real thing. And then for the parent, it's like, am I doing the right thing for my kid? He could be here. He could be there. Uh, we made a decision not to do that. Was that the right decision, the wrong decision? So um, there's so much more that goes into it than just saying like, hey, you know, it's it's really easy to say, don't play too much or don't go here. Don't go there. Uh, pick and choose. But when it comes down to it, like, you know, you have conversations with other parents, you have conversations with other kids and, you know, they're doing everything. So, uh, I, right. I don't envy that. Um, but I, <laughs> it's, it's a tough spot. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I will say, you know, it's kind of overarchingly just, you know, advice for parents or coaches or for players, just be, just be deliberate about it, you know, just kind of have a plan. Cause I think a lot of parents and kids go into, these summers without a plan and it's just all right we're gonna go 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 and you know whatever happens happens you know so um yeah that's heavy um yes <laughs> benji how you doing good i'm good You're still with us yes <laughs> uh josh hit us uh on some of the rigors of the amateur summer baseball schedule you know joe kind of talked about it as well something you're just as aware of i'm sure as a coach uh let's talk a little bit about the load and data uh from the june touch point last year to september so kind of encompassing the summer what did you expect to see uh from the data in september and then kind of what it what did you see uh over that summer three month summer window uh I expected to see the guys who Josh is referring to and Joe's referring to that are traveling and playing and everything that they possibly could play in and, and eating like crap and not really training and making it to half of their training throughout the summer. I expected them to have the numbers that they, that they got in September. I expected their numbers to be crappy. Um, I expected their explosiveness to be down. Um, I expected their legs to be tired. Um, and it was exactly what we thought, you know, because there's so much emphasis on playing, play, 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 go to this, go to that. And, you know, I remember being back in high school and I, you know, I played football and baseball and my, my summers were, you know, summer league baseball, we, we played, you know, maybe 15 games, but we, no one was really playing anything else. There wasn't any PG or, or PBR you know, showcases or anything like that going on. And so we just stayed home and we played games as a team uh, and we worked out and, and we didn't burn out and we were pretty strong as a team and we didn't have, you know, there was no one on my high school team that had Tommy John. There wasn't anyone that had labral terrors. There wasn't anyone that, you know, that were, that were, you know, major injuries. And I think it's because we didn't overplay, you know, that was back in the day when you could only practice 
during six period baseball, I'm dating myself right now. I'm so freaking old. Um, but like six period baseball, that's all you could do. We had 50 minutes, 50. And that was from the time of warming up and practicing and, and getting on the field. And as soon as the bell rang, Hey, we were done. So you inter squatted for an inning. Uh, you may have taken a couple ground balls, you know, or whatever is just whatever the coach could get in. And then when the season officially started, uh, that's when we could go, but we were all healthy. You know, we, we were all healthy and maybe we didn't have the game sense that some of these kids have who have played a hundred games in the off season. Um, but I guess that doesn't really matter if you can't get on the field because you're injured because your shoulder's sore because you threw freaking 90 meaningless innings, you know, uh, in the off season. So, you know, to answer your question, the data was spot on what we thought. We thought the guys that played too much were going to score low. Um, but then there were some surprises. The guys who really worked out hard, um, you know, some of them who worked out the right way, the correct way, they scored really high. The, the kids who, um, you know, try to show off how much they could bench and, you know, they're, they're, they're squatting with, you know, big heavy chains on both sides of the dumbbell and are on the bar and, um, you know, doing everything with the, the, the terrible form that they show on Instagram and just, they just want to show that they're working out hard, um, instead of doing things correctly, they were deficient. Uh, they were, they were too strong in one area. They weren't balanced. Um, you know, they, they were, you know, really, really high percentages of like overloading one side of their body to, instead of being symmetrical. Um, and so that was a little bit of a surprise, you know, but now I, I know what to look for and being educated by you, Matt, and by, and with Josh, um, you know, I think the, the, the numbers are going to start to even out because I think our kids are educated on it. You know, they've, they've been brought in and, and educated by Matt and, and by Sean. Um, and then with Josh working with them, they understand symmetry now. Um, so I'm expecting in this next score in June, um, we're going to see a little, we're going to see more mobility. Um, we're going to see more symmetry. Um, and that's what uh, I'm looking forward to seeing these numbers. Yeah, we're, we're pretty stoked to get back out there cause it'll be a, a six month window on that one, uh, going back to December. So, you know, a lot can happen in six months, especially for a developing high school kid. Um, you know, but let, let's kind of jump to that next window, right? So we, we talked about June to September, that's the summer. The fall is kind of Josh's time to shine as training takes center stage for the Huntington Beach program. So, Benji, on a high level, were the trends in the data different from the June to September window versus the September to December window where there was a higher focus on training as opposed to playing? Of course. And it was it was great to see. Um, you know, there were a lot of kids who came in September and they had – um, they had some, you know, tendonitis in their knees. Uh, they had, um, you know, their ankles were shot, uh, especially, you know, some of the catchers and, uh, some of the outfielders or, I mean, even the infielders, they're just on their feet and they're really not, uh, they're really not focused. They weren't really focused throughout the summer on their training. Um, and then after September and we brought in all the outliers who were just, you know, at risk of injury. And we educated them on what they should be doing. Um, the numbers in December improved. I mean, there's always going to be outliers, and there's always going to be the kids who um, that do their own thing, and that they don't quite believe in the science or the data, and they're gonna, you know, they're gonna 
they're going to get their dumbbells and they're going to curl or they're going to, you know, they're going to squat heavy and they're going to show off on how much they could do one rep with, you know, 250 pounds on their back. Um, but they're, they're the kids who believe in it. And that's the majority of our kids in our program. And it showed, it showed in their numbers, it showed in the data. Um, and so we were, I, I think it really hit home for a lot of them. Um, when we brought in, uh, what was the major leaguer who came in and, and spoke, or he talked on that zoom, Brandon, um, yeah, Brandon Donovan, Brandon Donovan, who made his major league debut like last week or two weeks ago. Yep. And it was awesome for them to hear him say, uh, you know, talk about his workouts and he wasn't interested in pushing, uh, a lot of weight. He was more concerned about his agility and mobility and ankle mobility and, and hip flexibility. And that's what Josh is all about. Um, and so when he was talking, I was just kind of looking around the room, mostly at the kids who don't go to Josh and be like, well, you know, we've got a major leaguer talking about this and he's talking about the importance of it. And, and obviously it's working for him. So what are we doing? You know, like if we're not, if we're not bought into all of this, like what, what are you, what, what more could you get? What more information, what better information can you get than from a major leaguer who is, you know, starting to reach his full potential by doing the proper workouts and training the right way. Um, so I, you know, obviously the season has its wears and wear and tear on the kids. Um, there's going to be some kids beat up when it comes to June. Um, but the kids who have trained with Josh and the kids who have, have stuck to their workouts, you know, I'm expecting the numbers to be exactly where they should be. Yeah. Um, and something that we've always thought about at Loden Sports really is that the data can be insightful into timing. Uh, and, and you kind of talked about that a little bit. We talked about it before in terms of, you know, Joe talked about it, timing showcases, timing trade-offs, et cetera. Um, but, you know, definitely talking about, you know, June to September window, summer window, and then you got the fall window. So it's training versus playing heavy, um, you know, trade-offs, right? Like you can't be training 12 months out of the year heavy. You can't be playing 12 months out of the year. So it's, it's about striking that balance. Uh, you know, obviously we've done pretty extensive research on the correlations between the evaluation data, things like running speed, exit velocity, throwing velocity in baseball, the tools, if you will. You can read more about that in our most recent blog for May 2022. Um, but if a player has low scores, it probably isn't a great idea to go to showcases for colleges because there probably isn't a whole lot to showcase. It's probably a good signal that that player needs to get with a guy like Josh, build themselves up a little bit before they go show. Um, so understanding the relationship between the athletic evaluation and performance on the field, periods of playing should have a focus on sustaining performance. Periods of training should be for progress, and it's important to kind of have that balance. So um, I think where the Huntington Beach program is at this point, you know, between the access that we've had to the players, uh, you know, the education we've given Benji and Josh and the way they've passed that along to, you know, other coaching staff members and the players, parents, um, I think everyone has a pretty good understanding at this point that, you know, from touch point to touch point, it's not all up. Uh, development is nonlinear. Sometimes it's going to pull back. Sometimes it's going to level out. It's going to, it's going to jump. So, um, and that's going to happen at different rates for every player. And, um, but there should be certain windows like Benji just talked about, like in a September to December situation where it's heavy training, where more guys are making progress that, than not. Um, so, Benji, 
Have you or do you envision using this information to help players decide the best uses of their time away from school? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And that, you know, we we send each player their their scores and um, you know, try to sit down with them and explain uh, exactly what the numbers mean. Um, this is where we, you know, we refer to Josh or differ to Josh and have him um, kind of talk about what exercises they need to focus on to to achieve that symmetry and their mobility. Um, but yeah, w- when we get these numbers come June and we evaluate each kid, uh, we should be able to develop a plan for each one of them to go, you know, go forward in the summer and the fall and really hammer out a plan to achieve exactly what they want to achieve, you know, as far as their, their, their physicality and their mobility and all of that. Um, you know, it's just, the info is, it's just right there. It's staring you in the face. Um, so it, it would be, it would be dumb. I, and I, I, I could say that I think it's dumb not to use this. It's just, it's right there for you. And it's, it's proving exactly what you should be doing. And Joe, as a parent, uh, do you foresee using this type of information from the athletic evaluation to kind of change your process at all when mapping out a summer or fall schedule for Gabe? Yeah, I think I think information is really important. And I think, you know, your specific uh, testing was was really helpful. Um, but I think it's it's good for any parent. It's like, you know, like you were saying in terms of, of showcases or whatever i've told i've told gabe forever like there's no point of you going to a showcase if you don't run under seven uh 60 yards um there's really not any uh point of going to showcase if you throw under 85 across the diamond in my opinion you know and so i think all of this information all these data points really help um in mapping out like just for gabe it was like a it was a combination of of growing (laughs) and going to josh and you know like he was like there was a a point where he grew like four or five inches and like he was just like a baby giraffe and (laughs) and really like understanding um original scores and just padding his his first power score was like a two you know um partly was that's because he's never lifted weights before (laughs) until he started going to josh um and that wasn't until his freshman year um and then you know growing now probably he's since those last uh, evaluation, he's probably I'm looking at his scores right now. He's you know he's went from like five nine and now he's almost six one, and I think he's gained he's 170 pounds from the, from the first time he he tested with you guys. I think he was 140 149, um, and he was probably like five nine. So I think the combination of really uh, understanding the scores, um, getting some get getting. Uh, with somebody like Josh that knows what they're doing um, and can and can balance out that growth spurt and the athleticism, I think is is really helpful in terms of moving forward with any kind of playing or fall schedules. Like Gabe didn't play this year. His scores, when you guys do the scores in June, they're going to be like way better, you know? Like it, um, I think some of the metrics that you have here, you're even, we're even able to replicate outside of your testing. You know, so looking at like 10 yard splits or 30 yard splits, you know, we can replicate those things. Um, maybe not with the, the exact accuracy that you have, but that they get close that so he can know, you know, where he's at. 
So I think um, I think all of this information is super important. Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point there in terms of you know him being injured this spring and and really having extra time to to get after it. You know, we've we've kind of beat this one over the head multiple times on this this roundtable, but just you know, a lot of kids just going, 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 playing, playing, playing all summer long. I mean, you think about like some of these college guys, and I'm going to call out Arkansas here. Um, okay. Yeah, they're they've been for a number of years and going back to Andrew Benintendi and um, Hessen Kerstad and a handful of those guys, like they didn't go play in the summer, you know, and as much as I love the Cape Cod baseball league and as much as I love, you know, the collegiate national team and those opportunities for those players, like, you know, the, the division one college baseball season is all fall long. And then it starts in February and it goes, you know, all the way into the summer, depending on how far some of these teams go. And, you know, for some of those guys, it really paid off for them to not play that summer and just go lift and, you know, take care of their body and and use that window to train. Um, and again, it really paid off in the draft. So, you know, you know, it's it's a it's a small parallel to what you're talking about, Joe, with Gabe, where, you know, yeah. he didn't have the opportunity to play this spring. But, you know, that's a very real thing. You know, if you play, yeah. you know, 12 months out of the year nonstop, you're, you're missing out on windows. Train and, and those windows are huge. So, um, yeah, player health. Yeah, I agree. I, yeah, go ahead. yeah. I I think even going back to he didn't play last summer because he he had broke his wrist. Um, and just looking at his scores, um, he went to Josh. He got tested in June and then back in September in a time where he hadn't played actual games. He just worked out, worked on his speed, worked on his strength and conditioning, worked on taking ground balls, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and he was able to, to make huge gains in that, in that small amount of time. And where maybe some of the other kids, like Benji was saying, you know, they were playing, playing, playing and, and didn't commit to, to the strength and conditioning and body awareness that, that Gabe was able to do by not playing. Right. And, and I do remember looking at it in, in June and it was, you know, one or two kids out of the entire group that did have a significant gain and, and Gabe was one of those. Um, and I also don't want to discount the, you know, dozens and dozens of kids that, you know, in that mix that were able to sustain some level of performance. It was probably cause they didn't play nearly as much as, you know, a handful of the kids did, but you know, there's, there's a mix. Um, and you know, obviously for Gabe to be able to take advantage of that window, even when you're injured, there's always things you can be doing. And, you know, there's no better time to train your athleticism than, you know, when you're going through your growing season of life uh, as a teenager and in high school. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And that might not, and for Gabe, it might not uh, equate to being a better baseball player, but he's, he's definitely more athletic um, than he was um, when you first tested him. Yeah. And that's, that's the big thing that we push, you know, regardless of whether it's baseball or whatever sport it may be. Is just trying to be the best athlete that you can, because ultimately, uh, one day we we all reach our physical maturity, and at that point, you kind of are what you are. And um, any gains that you make in speed or power or quickness or anything like that, it's it's very incremental uh, once you're a full grown adult. So, you know, for all the the parents out there that are listening to this, or coaches out there that are listening to this, um, you know, for kids that are growing, that's the time to train speed. That's the time to train. Uh, quickness and, and twitch and all all of those things that will ultimately form um, and kind of cement themselves as 
as the athlete reaches physical maturity. So, uh, let's wanna, go ahead. I want to just, just follow up on that real quick. So, two things. One is I've learned over the last ten years, um, probably that playing more baseball is not the way to get better at playing baseball. It needs to be in small increments where, again, like you go play in a tournament for a week in Arizona, you come home, you probably lost five to seven pounds, you're tired, your feet hurt, your shoulder hurts, forearms hurt, your hands hurt from all the, you know, playing 10 games in six days and then traveling home. What good does it do to go out, you know, four days later and play in, you know, the firecracker classic, you know, at your local, you know, at your local park for, you know, for your, your home travel team, not your national team or wherever you get on a plane and fly around the country for, it doesn't do you any good. You're being evaluated and you're not the best version of yourself, right? So more is not better. Right. And that's where I want people to understand that it is okay to say no to things. You don't need to play on four different teams because, you know, you grew up with some of these kids and, um, you know, your friends or, you know, your buddy's dad's the coach or, you know, your private pitching guy is, you know, uh, you know, running travel ball games, you know, nine months out of the year. And, you know, like, you know, he's telling you he can get you into this college or that college and stuff like you're never you're never going to maximize your potential if you run yourself into the ground on a daily or weekly basis. All right? That's the first thing. The second thing is going back to like, you know, Gabe being 59 and now he's 61. Well, you know, that baby giraffe comment is so true with kids, you know, between, you know, I'd say early puberty is at, you know, probably 12 for some kids. Um, you know, and some of the kids, you know, some guys are late bloomers, um, and don't hit it until 15, 16, sometimes 17, um, you know, before the man stuff really starts happening to them. Um, you know, when you grow every, I want to say it's every quarter inch you grow, it could be half. I'll have to double check my, uh, my research here. Um, but for every, you know, we'll call it every quarter inch, every quarter inch you grow, it takes your it takes your nervous system two weeks to rewire itself to, for you to be a functional, you know, for you to operate, you know, like functionally like you have been. Right. So you got a kid that has grown three inches over the summer. Like he's basically learning how to walk again, <laughs> you know? And so what, like, like what good does it do to, you know, to, you're not trained, you know, he's not training, he's not eating and hydrating and sleeping you know, properly to maximize what puberty is giving him, you know, puberty is giving him a gift right now. Right. Instead we think, you know, like we think it's cool. Like, Oh, well, you know, he was six, three, now he's six, six, like, you know, watch him. And then like, you know, you wonder why he can't, you know, he's swinging at a breaking ball and he's screwing himself into the ground. You know, like it's just, it's not, it's not a good look. Like you can't rush certain processes that the body naturally has to go through. You know, I'm at the advantage where we can train during those times and I'm going to sit there and I'm going to watch and I'm going to laugh like when he's bear crawling, you know, on the floor and he's, you know, tucking and rolling, doing a somersault because, you know, his equilibrium's all off. 
um, you know, because his body's trying to wire itself up. Um, but that's not the time to go showcase. Like we want kids to grow. We want kids to be healthy. Well, you know, parents are trying to do the right thing here. Like, I don't mean, I don't want this to come off. Like, you know, I'm just bashing parents and you know, like they're just throwing money at stuff and trying to get a quick fix. Like, I don't believe that that's the case. Like the majority of parents that come into the gym are great people. They have great kids. And Honestly, they're just kind of misinformed and it's frustrating to sit back and, you know, watch a kid feel pressured into going and playing, you know, uh, I think on the last podcast I spoke about a kid that I had who he's going to be a first round draft pick this year. And in the 70 days he had for summer break, he was on the road for like 55 of them, you know, and people are wondering, well, he hasn't taken that next step. And, you know, I saw him two weeks ago and I saw him three weeks ago and he just kind of looked the same. And it's like, the kid hasn't even been home. Like he hasn't been in the gym. He hasn't been, you know, he hasn't been able to be on a consistent throwing routine. You know, he's literally traveled from Denver to Atlanta, you know, in a 24 hour period, you know, and he, you know, uh, you know, he pitched, uh, in Denver at the high school, that high school all-star game that they had, um, pitched in Denver, got on a plane, flew to Atlanta, and then through the next day, you know, and like, and people are wondering why, well, the velo's down. Like, well, I mean, if you were in two different time zones in 24 hours, like, I don't think your velo would be up either, you know, and that's just one of the examples and predicaments where A, it makes my head hurt, um, you know, but B, like, it's not, that is not what is in the best interest of the, of the athlete long term it is not at all it's a great honor to be accepted to you know and invited to some of these showcases and events and you know under the right circumstances they do you know they do and they can open a lot of doors for a lot of opportunities for guys but if you're going to be you know if you're projected to be a first rounder or a second rounder you're going to be seen every game in your high school season you're going to be seen every time you step on the field so you are actually more empowered than you think as the athlete to pick and choose when you want people to see you at your best. So you're always leaving a better impression, uh, you know, within that scout or that college or whatever, you know, whatever that situation looks like that, that level, that, that next level you're trying to get to, you, you should be in control of when you're being evaluated and when you're being seen, um, you know, and if you're doing the work behind the scenes, uh, you know, with your inner circle and your hitting guy, your pitching guy and, you know, your strength guy and stuff, then you should, you should be showing a good product. Um, but kids aren't afforded that opportunity enough. I don't believe. And this oh. episode of Josh on his soapbox is brought to you by player. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, in all, in all honesty, man, like I said, like kids gone all summer long, and then, you know, when he's going into his senior year, right, and he's done playing for that travel ball team, do you think that that travel ball coach is, you know, asking him what his weight is and asking him how he's feeling and asking him how his first step explosion is going, you know, in, in December when he's not playing for that guy ever again? No. That's me. That's me, you know, me trying to put that kid back together to be the best version of himself for his spring season. Right. And so that's where there's a big, that's where there's a huge disconnect 
um, with the way, you know, the, the frequency of events, um, you know, and then quite frankly, the lack of, it's not lack of care. It's a bad term. Um, you know, um, but the lack of the lack of resources that they have to, you know, take care of themselves on the road, whether that's, you know, a, a hotel that doesn't have a gym or, you know, if you're, you know, in the middle of nowhere and all you got to choose from is Wendy's and Taco Bell, you know, like that's not, that's not putting the interest of the kid, you know, at the forefront. And that's the, that's the frustrating part for me. Yeah. And a lot of kids, you know, you said the resources that they don't have on the road, like a lot of the kids don't have the resources back at home. So again, you know, kudos to, to right. Benji <laughs> for, um, you know, bringing you on a couple of years back and having you take over, you know, programming for, for the entire Huntington beach, you know, baseball program top down. I mean, you know, there, a lot of kids don't have those options and they're the same kids that are playing with the kids you're talking about. And they're going back to wherever they're going back to because everyone knows if you turn on a major league game, like college baseball, whatever it may be, like these kids come from everywhere. Every corner of this country, um, the top level players are coming from. And, you know, there's the kids in Southern California have access to things like a Josh that, you know, kids in the middle of Arkansas might not have access to. Um, and, you know, with Huntington Beach, it's built right into the high school program, which is even better. You know, that's not even something that they have to go seek on their own. So um, player health, something that, you know, Josh is obviously very passionate about. That's something that we at Luton Sports are passionate about. So uh, let's segue a little bit to talking about monitoring the athlete health because, I mean, that's what every one of these kids could use while they're traveling all summer long. So, um, but let's talk about lower half asymmetry and it's kind of an elephant in the room for amateur athletes. Most aren't aware of it, and there's a well-understood relationship between larger lower half asymmetries and injury. So, um, Benji, I'm going to let you take this one. I know you guys have a specific example here. How have you used the single-leg jumps data to monitor trends in lower half symmetry for players in the program? Well, we had a kid, a right-handed pitcher, Nathan Sevis. Um, he came, I think it was his September numbers, but it may have been, I think it was in September numbers where his right leg symmetry was, you know, grossly overtrained or he was just very strong on his right leg compared to his left. And we brought him in and we asked him, like, what did you do? Like, what, what were you doing all summer so that, to make this happen? Uh, and he really wanted to focus because he's a right-handed pitcher. He wanted to focus on his drive leg being super strong. So he was doing uh, one leg uh, squats, you know, uh, kettlebell squats with his with his right leg um, because he wanted that to be strong. But he never really considered his left leg uh, to train that, you know, equally. Um, and so his numbers were in the neighborhood of 26 I think 26% somewhere around there. You may be able to help me out with that one uh, where he was, he was, you know, overly trained on his right side by 26% in comparison to his left. Um, and with that data, you know, would the, the loading guys predicted, you know, shoulder problems, elbow problems, possible blowout uh, because he was so asymmetrical in his lower half. Um, he was very, uh, you know, he was attentive to that. He was concerned about that. Um, he did his due diligence and, and trained himself and lowered that number, cut that number in half, I think, 
by the time that we retested in December. Um, and he had a great uh, sophomore season on the JV level. He's up to 90 miles an hour throwing right now. Uh, he's going to be a big piece of our puzzle as far as the, the pitching staff goes next year for varsity. Um, so he's trending in the right direction. Um, so, you know, without that data, we never would have caught that. Um, there's a strong possibility he would have been injured. Uh, he wouldn't be able to, you know, put the numbers up that he's putting, um, getting the attention that he's getting. Um, and then, you know, if he keeps going the way he's going and the way he's trending, you know, he's going to get signed by someone or he's going to commit to someone uh, relatively soon because, you know, his, everything is, is going in the right direction. Yeah, and it it's crazy to think about, but when you're a high school kid, there are things that seem like, oh, I can do this, and then you go try it and you go do it, and there's no one there to stop you, you know, and you know, it might make sense, but then, you know, when someone you take a step back and someone kind of talks you through it like, oh, maybe this doesn't make sense cuz maybe I don't just need a really strong drive leg but I need really good brakes to stop the car too. Um, and I think that's, you know, the perfect metaphor for pitching or the perfect metaphor for hitting too. It's, it's load into that back leg and then you need a strong stopper to be able to stop the force and transfer that through the kinetic chain, obviously, and produce your power. So, um, yeah, that's largely the importance of the lower half symmetry. And again, you know, it's a little naive, but, at the end of the day, like it's, it's not ridiculous for someone to who's 16 or 17 years old to not think about that stopper leg. Um, and, and I'm going to flip this one over to Joe. Uh, and you know, obviously, you know, you talked about it before dreams of playing in the NFL, um, and mm -hmm. playing football. Did you, did you previously consider the relationship between the right and the left leg, lower half symmetry? Um, and now having access to this information regularly for your son is helpful. I think I've, I've always tried to train, like when I trained, I always tried to train as evenly as possible, just knowing that I would be, you know, for me, I was more right, right side dominant than left side, but I, I don't think I was ever tested for that. You know, I think I just always kind of felt that way. Um, you know, I think this information for, for gay was really important because, you know, I think our concentration has always just been, uh, for him to hit, you know, so, uh, defensively throwing all of that stuff has been relatively new in terms of uh, putting a fair amount of work into it. Um, but, you know, knowing that he hits left-handed, so he's, he's pushing off his left leg, um, you know, and he throws right-handed. So, you know, I think we overly trained. And like I said before, Josh, he never really, he, we didn't, we didn't lift, you know, it was just go surf and you can do some push-ups if you want or pull-ups or whatever, but um, we never really, we didn't, he didn't lift weights. And so, I think for this, this information really kind of shine a light, like, Whoa, you, you know, you're kind of out of whack, buddy. We got to like, and so I think for a parent, it, it offers information for you to be a lot more intentional about what you're trying to do to, to achieve, you know, that balance and overall symmetry. Oh, that's, that's awesome. I'm sure the, the surfing aspect, believe it or not, probably helps, um, in trying to keep that, you know, as balanced as possible, you know? not to overuse yeah, the word balance I, here, but I don't think you can overuse the word balance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I started asking him which, which footy he uh, puts more pressure on when he's fishing. Cause he seems to do that all the summer as well. Yeah. I think and, and I, 
Yeah, go ahead. If you don't, if you don't mind me jumping in, I will say that I one of my pitchers made it to the big leagues, Colin Ballister, in 2004, and he was an avid surfer, and he would surf after he pitched, or he would surf the next morning, um, and that that was his recovery. And I know we're in Huntington Beach, and we know we're, this goes out throughout the whole country, and not everyone can surf. But my goodness, man, the ocean is a great place to heal. Um, and that's why we do our beach workouts and do all of that stuff. So I uh, can't say enough about the surfing and swimming aspect that, that we use here at Huntington. Yeah, and the, and the sand, using the beach, uh, the kind of the stability elements of training in sand. Um, I know you guys tap into that as well. Um, definitely being resourceful, being out there on the coast. I love the word resourceful. Is there a Z in resource? I've heard you say that a couple of times now. Resourceful. Resourceful. It's got, I got a little, I've got a zest for life. You just got to throw Z's in there where you can. <laughs> Might start calling you a Zenji. Talking about finding peace in the ocean, finding healing in the ocean. Oh, man. man. All right. Uh, let's, let's talk about competition and accountability. Uh, both amongst peers and for the athlete with themselves. Benji, have you used this information to create competition within the program? Or maybe if not competition, can you speak on how having this objective information create accountability within the group? Uh, I mean, when the, when the scores go out um, and they all get to see them, uh, they're talking about it. And that was the, the number one thing that I noticed, you know, besides the, deficiencies and the outliers was you know how the the players started to talk about their scores with each other um and i knew we had something right at that moment because you know they're going to compare you know they're going to compete uh they don't want to have someone who you know we had some we had nick dumino who you lovingly refer to as frenchy um that he was the highest scorer you know on in our program and they started to watch what nick was doing um and nick was getting up at five o'clock in the morning and he was running stadiums and they were running sprints and they were doing shuttles um and after his scores came in and he he scored so high next thing you know he has a group with him uh he has six people with him doing the workouts and and training the way he was training because they wanted to do what he was doing. They wanted to score what he scored um, because his scores were really impressive. Um, so to, you know, to speak to your point, uh, the competition aspect is always alive and well with high school kids, um, but with data and science behind it uh, and just showing, you know, seeing how these kids are training. Uh, they want to do what the kid who's doing well is doing. Um, and so, uh, it really added to our program, you know, the, the data in their face. It just showed them what, you know, oh, I scored a two. He scored a four. What's he doing? And, uh, you know, he's working hard. And so maybe I should be doing that. So it really uh, increased the level of, of training for all the kids when they saw the numbers. Yeah, I can speak to when we came back and we tested in December. There was a particular kid who I believe is in your uh, on your JV team. And he didn't score particularly well in September. And in December, um, you know, it, for a lot of these kids, when they're they're going through the evaluation, 
uh, it's kind of like, oh, this is cool. This is new. Like they don't really know what, what it's all about. But now that these kids have started to, to do it and they've, they're receiving the feedback and they're seeing the numbers, they're, they're much more in tune to what's going on while you're testing them. So you can definitely see that as an evaluator sitting there running these kids through. Like they, they know what they're doing now and, and they're, they're on a mission. Um, and for that one particular kid, you know, he, he was on a mission in December to, you know, not, not just beat what he did in September, but get a lot better than that. And I'm sure, you know, checking in with Josh, um, you know, that he continues to work really hard because even where he was at in December, he, he probably wants to get, you know, even better than that when we get to this next touch point in June. So I think it's really cool. Um, you know, again, to be able to create that accountability, be able to create that competition. And that's not really something that me or Sean really thought about up front when we uh, kind of approached you with this idea of testing every three months. But um, definitely, you know, with what you were saying and um, it's it, it creates it creates what you want it to create, it creates culture and it creates um, that competition. So, um Joe, this is this is something I've seen with a handful of athletes we've worked with, but have you seen, you know, and and we just talked about it, but have you seen your son use his information to spur competition within himself to try and beat the results from his previous evaluation? Yeah, he's a he's a he's a, he's a pretty competitive kid, so he um you know, and we talk about all the time. It's like the numbers don't lie, you know. So I think and just the importance of seeing and having some baseline. And then being able to see progression, I think for him is is really important. And I think it's it's one of those things too when you when you find a little success or you see some improvement, it, it really goes back to wow, you know, the work that you know the work the things that Benji is saying, the the work that Josh the, the extra sleds that Josh has got me doing, you know, that stuff's going to pay off. And so I think it's important uh, for them to see that. But yeah, I well apparently Gabe's not that competitive because he's not all about five five a.m. workouts, but um he did he's like screw that <laughs> maybe surf at six six thirty but not uh not five um but uh yeah he's he's a super competitive kid i think he's he's really you know tough on himself but he 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 definitely used the data as soon as he got his scores that improved he he, he texted me right away and was like oh, okay you know let's talk about this what does this mean you know and so i think it, it was it was good for him well, you know, even if he's not getting up for 5 a.m. workouts, he's he's getting his sleep in, which is shout out to sleep. Got to shout important, out to sleep right? in, every, in every episode. Sleep's important. That's true. And that's also an opportunity to grow. So, yeah, I would say that as a parent, too. Like, like I just before I got in this on this podcast seat, you know, I had asked him, you know, to, to do a couple things. And of course, he didn't do them. And I went in his room and he was sleeping. And I think that's the hardest thing as a parent is to you know, you want to get them up and, and, and we've just really talked about my wife and I just letting them sleep. Um, and, and sometimes it just seems lazy, but, uh, I, I definitely agree with you in terms of, uh, growth and rest for kids. They've got a lot of stuff going on and they're just kids, you know, at the end of the day, they're just kids. We're, we, we want to help them as much as we can as parents and, and help them fulfill their dreams. But hey, if we want to be real about baseball and so forth and so on, you know, less than 1%, it's a world sport. And there's some really talented kids out there. So, you know, I'd, I'd say let your kid uh, be themselves, let them develop, um, get a great team around them. Um, that's what we've tried to do with for Gabe um, is really put a good team around him. Um, and so that I don't have to, I don't have to do it for, with him. You know, I, I've already, I already played, 
Um, so I want Gabe to have his own experience um, separate from mine. That's awesome. So, uh, yeah, let Gabe sleep. Start the hashtag up. Yep. He, he probably <laughs> still, he's probably still sleeping right now. I'm going to wake him up when I get off this, though. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I only got a few <laughs> last questions here for you, and then I'll let you go wake Gabe up. Um, and, and let Benji and Josh get on with their days. Um, but let's, let's hit Benji and Josh here, you know, just real quick and having access to the objective athletic information on the program. Did you learn anything about any of your players that surprised you? Uh, maybe something that didn't match the eye test. Uh, for me, there's a particular kid named Matt Heidel. He was a freshman. And if you saw this kid, uh, you would think uh, he's just this little skinny, scrawny left-hander. You know, you kind of start to dream on him a little bit. You're like, ah, he's going to be a little summer lefty pitcher or whatever. Uh, but then seeing his scores and seeing how he can explode, um, that caught my eye. Uh, and then I started to research him a little bit. I started to dive deep into what he does. Um, and then I heard he can hit a golf ball. Uh, 320 yards. He uh, like can absolutely mash a baseball. Uh, and he did that at the freshman level this year. And there's no way anyone would have been able to discover that or see that without the numbers. Um, and all of a sudden he's higher up on our, on our list. You know, he's, he's someone we got to keep an eye on. He's someone that we want to develop. He's someone that, you know, that we know, you know, come his junior year, he's twitchy. He's, he has some power that is, is hidden, you know, he's sneaky. Um, and that wouldn't have happened if I didn't see those numbers. Um, there's a couple other kids that, you know, are wiry strong that, that came up. We're like, wow, that's a surprise. Um, and I know you joked about it. We have our inner squad world series every year. And next year you want to be a part of the, you want to be in the draft room so that, uh, we go, we go only loading scores. We go Billy Bean on everybody and just freaking draft just on loading scores and see uh, what the uh, how the teams do. Um, but he would be one that would hire. He's higher on the draft list now. Let's just say that because uh, of the data. So it, it's it's exciting. It's exciting to see this stuff. Like I can nerd out on it totally. Uh, it's 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 very telling. Everything is very telling with it yeah and it's kind of cool you know from your perspective because you're the varsity head coach and you got enough to deal with with the varsity guys right and you and you're not watching every at bat and every pitch for all the jv and the freshman guys you just can't do that because you can't be in three places at once um but it, it kind of gives you a little bit of a insight into you know who these guys are and when they're off playing you know their schedules in the spring and, and kind of be able to keep eyes on them even if you're not there in person, keep tabs on them a little bit. Um, I think that's that's kind of one of the cool things that I've observed is it gives you a little insight into some of the younger guys that you might not otherwise be paying attention to. A hundred percent. And then you hit it on the head. I can't be everywhere. And, you know, having this show up and seeing how they train because I'm not with them they're training. I'm not with them all summer. And I don't want to be, the, I don't want to be with them all summer. I don't want to see them. I don't want to talk to them. I don't, you know, I, I need time away from them. So the, te the testing come September is pretty huge because it just, it, you know, I warn them beforehand, Hey, let's see what, how you come back. Um, and that's, this is the best way to, to see exactly what they did without being around them all summer long. Yeah. Um, 
Are there any ways that you have used the data that you may not have envisioned when we first started going down this road? And kind of secondarily, as a program that currently has 11 Division I commits with more to come and a history of draft and Division I talent, could you foresee it being helpful down the road in talking to either scouts or college recruiters to be able to make objective athletic comparisons between current and former players? Uh, we've already used it. Uh, we've already used it to um, – who exactly was it? I think it was Dooms. I think it was, it was Frenchie that we were able to show Kyle Baptist um, exactly what kind of a freak athlete he is and how strong he is, uh, and they paid attention to it. They didn't take it lightly. Uh, I've, I've sent scores to other colleges – um, just showing like their strength and, and their mobility and their explosiveness. And just like, look, you may or may not be aware of Loden, but this is a, you know, and I'm shameless plug here for you, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm sending it to college coaches too, uh, because it's not just me testing them. It's not me saying, Hey, their 60 is a six, nine. Like, well, how'd you record that coach? You know, do you do it in your outfield when you walked out 60 yards with your feet? Or, you know, it's a real, it's real testing. Uh, so, uh, yes, 100%. Just like, you know, with uh, when Vogel got drafted a couple of years ago, they wanted to see his blast numbers. They wanted to, you know, and it just, they just wanted to see that kind of stuff. Um, you know, they were, I'm, I'm able to use these numbers to show college coaches and pro coaches exactly everyone's explosiveness. So it's, it's huge and it's going to continue to get better. And the data is going to get better, and I'm going to be able to use it more and more as we go forward. More Division One commits. More Division One commits. <laughs> yeah, chanting enough, baby. Just keep saying it. We're going to speak it into existence. That's it. Um, Joe, kind of in a similar vein, uh, you know, we're over here talking about creating history with players in the program and like three or four touch points per year, year over year, and kind of where Gabe – enters this whole equation you know obviously he's not a junior or senior where he's exiting the program like how valuable will that ultimately end up being to be able to see kind of a roadmap of his athletic development through the evaluation history and, it, and is that going to be kind of cool to watch it change alongside the work he's putting in yeah i think for i think for us as parents it's really um you know just an added bonus to being a part of the Huntington beach program uh part of being uh, with Josh and, and the work that he does with kids. Um, I, I think, you know, obviously I'm probably one of Gabe's biggest fans. I think I'm one of his biggest critics as well. Um, but, you know, as a parent, I knew um, he hadn't matured um, as soon as some of the other kids. Um, and I knew um, he was athletic enough uh, to get by, especially only playing baseball five months out of the year uh, where a lot of kids were playing um, year round. And he, you know, he's got, he got a lot of work to do. And, but even just in these small uh, periods of time now from his freshman to sophomore year, um, his hard work, I mean, he's doing the work. I'm not doing the work. Um, I'm just surrounding him with that team that we talked about. Um, but I, I'm excited for him to, to see where he ends. And you know what? You tell people to play, play the game as long as you can. It's fun. I, I, I miss I miss it every day, but then I, I, I try to enjoy it now from, from the parent perspective and navigating that. And I don't have the answers, you know, I feel like I screwed my daughter up really good in soccer. So 
I was able to li- learn a little bit um, with her, and, and uh, obviously I know a lot more about baseball than soccer. But um, just trying to, if I think if we as parents can maybe stay out of the way a little bit as much as we can, it's hard. I know it's really hard. Um, I think I think Benji and Josh both know that as parents. Um, but um, we're excited for him. We're excited to see uh, four years of progress for him. Uh, and that's what it's about. How do you wake up every day and get better than what you were the day before? So, um, yeah. Well, guys, this is this has been awesome. Uh, this is all I have for you. Um, you know, obviously appreciate all three of you guys hopping on here. Can't thank you enough for taking the time, and and can't thank you enough for you know obviously sharing your experiences and you know learning and growing alongside us um, as we provide this for the athletes at Huntington Beach High School. So best of luck to the Huntington Beach Oilers program as they prepare for the CIF Southern Section playoffs starting next week. Uh, That might be a little bit outdated when this comes out, but go Beach. Uh, And definitely look forward to seeing you all out West in June. Can't wait, man. Can't wait. We'll go to Mario's and we'll have a, we'll sit in that dark little uh, bar area and we're going to have some chips and salsa. And Josh is going to ask for a Moscow mule at a Mexican restaurant and we're going to make fun of him. And it's, all, and it's all great. That will do it for this episode of the Loading Sports Outlier Sessions. Thank you for tuning in and we look forward to continuing to bring you the brightest and most engaging guests from within the Loading Sports Network. To stay on top of what or who is coming next, Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Loden Sports. Whether you enjoyed this episode on YouTube or Apple Podcasts, please like, comment, and subscribe. We'd love to hear from you. We'll see you next time.